Saturday was a really tough day for South Carolina. It's one of the worst losses of the Shane Beamer era up to this point. And as hard as it's going to be, we need to have a conversation about it, an in-depth one. And we're going to do that right here today on Locked On Gamecocks. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show of Locked On Gamecocks is brought to you by Sling TV. Don't miss this week's matchup between the South Carolina Gamecocks and the Tennessee Volunteers on ESPN right here on Sling. Sling, the TV you love for a price you'll love. Try it today. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecocks sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank y'all for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. And look, I understand. After what happened this past Saturday, there's probably a lot of you who want to crawl into a hole somewhere and not really, you know, show yourself until maybe this next Thursday or Friday after a few days have passed from what was arguably an annihilation that the Gamecocks suffered at the hands of the Florida Gators. But uh, we're not going to do that. We can't do that on this show. We have to talk about it at least for today. I promise after today, we're not going to continue this discussion, but we have to address a few different factors on today's show. Offensively, defensively, and should there be some tough decisions made by Shane Beamer? I think so, and we're going to dive into all that on today's show. So, let's go on ahead and get on right into the defensive performance from this game against the Florida Gators. And overall, let's just say the offense is not the only unit that has its share of clear and obvious issues right now. Here's a quick stat that I want you all to remember or just want to remind you all about from this contest. The Florida Gators rushed for 374 yards. This is the most rushing yards in one game that Florida has had all season for a team that was ranked in the top 25 in the country in rushing offense heading into this game. This is also subsequently the most rushing yards that South Carolina has given up since they gave up 396 rushing yards against LSU back in 2015. This man right here, if you're watching on YouTube, Coach Steve Spurrier was still coaching this team when that happened. So why did all of this take place? What went wrong for the defense on Saturday? Was it some new issues or was it some issues that have been there all season and they really manifested themselves on Saturday afternoon? Well, I say it's more so the latter. So let's start off with the issues that did show up. The back six, the linebacker unit, and the secondary seem to either constantly be late or misread what the opposing offense is doing when it comes to a lot of plays that are being run horizontally. So basically, you know, some option plays, which isn't completely horizontal, but it can go towards the sideline for a certain aspect. You've also got, of course, jet sweep motions, which Gamecocks have seen a lot of in the past few weeks. Now, 
The thing is with these concepts is this allows for some misdirection to be thrown in there. And it also allows for an opponent to use it as eye candy to sort of basically dictate how you are playing or basically get in your head, keep you on your toes to where your defenders are kept guessing at times, it seems like. And South Carolina, this is exactly what happened with their defense on Saturday afternoon. And another unique thing about this Florida offense that I noticed was on inside runs in certain formations, they used window dressing to where their wide receivers were actually running routes like it was a passing play, which caused, of course, the defensive backs to basically assume it was a passing play because that's their natural instinct. But again, it caused other defenders to start guessing. There were times where there were multiple defenders trying to cover one guy because, you know, maybe Florida was running some tempo. Maybe it was a look that they had seen before, but it was a different type of play concept they used. Essentially speaking, nothing went right for South Carolina's defense. And the thing is, the Missouri game two weekends prior to this contest exposed South Carolina's defense. Again, This had been an issue for the majority of this season, especially since the Georgia game was when some of these things really started to show up, but no one was really talking about it because the biggest storyline that was being talked about was all the injuries that occurred in the secondary. And look, I'm not trying to throw everyone in that secondary unit under the bus. They definitely have dealt with a lot of obstacles this season. There's been a lot of guys. At this point, it's pretty much a question of who hasn't been banged up at some point this season. I think every single defensive back that is playing still for South Carolina right now in the starting lineup, and some guys in the two deep, have all left the game at some point due to some sort of injury. So those guys have definitely not seen any consistency in terms of their rotation. And that can definitely affect how a defense can perform, how communication is operating. You know, if everyone is on the same page, which is imperative for a defense. But the thing is, these issues are not new. These issues have continued to show themselves. The Missouri game just showed how bad South Carolina's defense was in certain aspects, and now that has culminated to this performance against the Florida Gators. Because of everything I just mentioned earlier, with the back six, again, either being late at reading certain running plays or misreading them completely, it has caused a lot of the interior defensive linemen to not be able to get a pass rush on plays that actually took about five, six seconds to develop for Florida because you're running sideline to sideline so much that the defensive line, for obvious reasons, you know, some of the bigger guys on the field, they're getting gassed having to constantly try to run out to the sidelines and stop these guys. And you can't stop a team on third down. You're on the field for, you know, five, six, seven minutes at a time. When Florida actually ran a drop-back passing play, a regular drop-back passing play, South Carolina's interior D-lineman had a tough time getting really any part of the pocket to collapse because they were tired. This is exactly what Florida was looking to do, and they executed it to perfection. They really weren't impeded at all, especially in the first half. And yes, the defense showed up more in the second half. They made some good stops considering the circumstances with those offensive turnovers, which I will address later on. But the point being is, by that time in the game, it also kind of felt like that Florida wasn't really trying anymore to do what they were doing in the first half because it kind of seemed like, based on their demeanor and body language, They felt like that they had the game in the bag. And sure enough, they did. It's not all that great. 
you know, in terms of what that second half performance was. Yes, again, they made some impressive stops when they were on their side of the field. But, you know, you look at the fundamentals of them taking on blocks and the tackling that seems to be lacking. The D linemen, uh, there's too many D linemen that are not utilizing their hands whenever they're engaging a blocker. So when there's an inside run that goes into the gap right next to them, you rarely see D linemen actually be able to make a play on their own. And in terms of when guys are actually able to meet a ball carrier and try to tackle them, the last couple weeks, leverage has been completely missing with a lot of these players. And leverage is the most important thing in terms of trying to bring a ball carrier down. The low man is always going to win as long as they are doing all the little things right. They're wrapping up, they're driving their feet, and they are attacking the lower body. The only guy that seems to really do that consistently is Nick Emmonworry. He's a true freshman safety on this team. And other than that, the defensive backs, you know, they dealt with some illnesses heading into this game, according to Coach Beamer. But the last couple weeks, again, especially since the Missouri game, they have not been able to handle perimeter blocks. So, all in all, South Carolina's defense has had these issues all season. But they're just really now starting to show themselves because they're facing teams that can expose it to the nth degree. So, worst defensive performance probably of the entire season, considering the circumstances and the fact they weren't facing a team that completely overmatched them in terms of talent like Georgia did earlier this year. Now, of course, the offense also did not have a great showing on Saturday. And Florida validated some things on that side of the ball as well. But what was it that they validated exactly? We're going to dive into all of that in just a few moments. And you know that, of course, South Carolina wants to cut back on these slow starts. Kind of like a lot of people want to cut back on, you know, spending money because of how much inflation has been impacting their daily lives this year. You know, for me, I haven't been going out on the road as much recently, so I don't have to buy gas as often. But whether it's driving less, dining out less, or buying less from the grocery store, we can all agree that there's nothing fun about having less money in your pocket, which is why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for when you're on the go and you're buying something because you get cash back on every purchase. To get started, download the free Upside app, then use our promo code LOCKED and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars in cash back every week. And if you still question just how good they are, well, I'll let the 4.8 star rating on the App Store speak for itself. So download the free Upside app and use our promo code LOCK to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using the promo code LOCKED. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. All right, so let's turn the page now over to the offense's performance against the Florida Gators, which, again, was not a whole lot better than what the defense did on Saturday. And overall, my point, my hammer home point on the offense is this. The book is out on South Carolina's offense. And when I mean the book is out, I basically mean that If opposing defenses can do just a few simple things, then they're going to effectively shut down this South Carolina offense. There are a lot of plays in this offense that seem to be horizontally based or 
rely on maybe some deep play action passes going down the field. Now, that's all well and good, unless you're not seeing a whole lot of consistent success with that strategy, at which point it's probably not the worst idea to try and change things up. For example, the intermediate passing game, and you know, there's been a lot of people that have been talking about how, you know, I can't recall the last time that South Carolina ran a slant route, you know, called a simple quick slants type passing play. And, you know, there probably has been times where plays like that have been called this year, but they've been so few and far in between because of everything else that gets called, like these RPO screen passes, these swing passes, these end around jet sweeps, whatever you want to call it. When you see those plays so often, it does make you feel like when you're watching the game that there's only a few plays really in this South Carolina game cock playbook. And the thing is, defenses know this now. They're 10 games into the season, and it's pretty clear and evident at this point that every opponent that's facing South Carolina, they're not being fooled by what they're running on offense. And it doesn't matter if you've got a guy at quarterback like Spencer Rattler, who again, has all the talent in the world, you've got to utilize it a certain way, and you know that entire discussion, that that's going to be saved for another day. But, you know, you have him. You have guys like Jaheim Bell and Austin Stogner tied in. There's not very many one-two combos at tight end in the country that are more talented than that pair right there. You've got some decent receivers on the outside. Yes, you might not have someone who's maybe an absolute game breaker, but you've got enough really good wideouts to where, you know, there should be some sort of consistent passing attack that defenses should have to respect. And yet, that's not happening for South Carolina this year. In terms of running certain plays over and over again, I'm going to use one particular example from Saturday. Obviously, South Carolina started Jaheim Bell at running back because of everything that happened with Marshawn Lloyd and Christian Beal Smith. But there were, despite that, there were multiple instances in this game where even though there wasn't a bunch of push being created by the offensive line, maybe they had a play that they just try to have back dive run or an inside run, and they only got one or two yards off of it. And yet South Carolina would turn around and they'd be running the same exact play again. And it would only get maybe, again, one or two yards max. So you've now run two running plays and maybe gotten four yards collectively at best out of it. At times, you might have only gotten maybe one or two yards. Now you got a third and long situation. Now you're going to let Florida use those athletes on defense to just get after that offensive line, send a blitz, try to get to Spencer Rattler, force him to make an errant pass. And you're playing right into their hand when you do things like that. And as far as I could tell when I watched this game back, I can't recall any times where South Carolina tried any tosses out of the backfield, any sweeps out of the backfield, like regular halfback sweeps, not, you know, these end-around toss sweeps with the wide receivers, no outside zone, none of that. And if it's because of maybe the worry about a lack of knowledge of the playbook at that position for Jaheim Bell... That's where you could play some other guys like Rashad Amos or Dante Miller. But for one reason or another, they're not seeing snaps back there. Shane Bieber did say on his teleconference call with the local media on Sunday night that they do believe that Jaheim Bell and uh, Juju McDowell give them the best chance to win right now with Beal Smith and Lloyd both being out. He did say that. And yes, both those guys being out clearly hurts your game plan in terms of trying to establish the ground game. But... Florida came into this game with the fourth worst scoring defense in the SEC, the third worst rushing defense in the SEC, the third worst total defense in the SEC. 
Despite all of those statistical markers heading into this contest, Florida saw season-best marks on defense in yards allowed, rushing yards allowed, first downs allowed, and tied a season high in forced turnovers with three. That's not exactly something that you want to be saying coming into and heading out of a matchup against a defense that, again, for the most part this year, had not played very well. So, with all of this now having been said about how the offensive defense performed against Florida, it seems like that Coach Beamer, sometime soon, in the near future, he's going to have to make some tough decisions. Where do those decisions need to take place? We're going to dive into that in just a couple of moments. But before I do touch on that, this week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by our friends over at Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new line from Nissan are intended to empower drivers in vehicles that are as capable as the drivers themselves. Now, for this week's thrilling moment, um, I'm going to be honest, in this game, there's only one thrilling moment to really pick out. So... It's going to be Kai Kroger throwing that touchdown pass to on Joyner off of that fake punt in the second quarter. Y'all, Kai Kroger means so much to this team this year. I could go on for minutes about what all he has done, how much he flips the field, how much of a weapon he is at the punter position. He should be a finalist for the Ray Guy Award at the end of this year. And I tweeted out during the game, he needs to win some kind of trophy. I don't care if Sapcon's got to make up a trophy for him to get one. He deserves some kind of trophy for what he's done this season. He means so much to the team. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier, Armada, or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. Okay, so as I mentioned before, we went into the break. It is very apparent at this point, and maybe it's been apparent in certain aspects for a few weeks now, but it is very apparent now, especially on both sides of the ball, some tough decisions need to be made by Coach Beamer. So what are those decisions? Let's start with the offense. It seems like, based on how this offense has played now over the course of this season and throwing in last season as well, besides, of course, maybe the Florida and North Carolina and maybe even the Auburn games, both of which or all of which were decent performances by the offense, it seems like there needs to be a a decision made by Coach Beamer regarding any potential adjustments in terms of who's calling plays. And here's why I say this. On Saturday... The biggest example of this was uh, Spencer Rattler. Early in the fourth quarter on Saturday afternoon, there was a third down play where he got the snap from center Eric Douglas. He was not ready for the snap. It seemed like he was waiting at least another second before a receiver was going to be set out of a motion before getting that snap. So the point being, he wasn't ready for it. He got the ball. He bobbled it at first. He had to roll out to his right, and he ended up throwing the ball out. It was basically a dead duck in the water, no Bueno, no possibility of making something happen on a play like that. They ended up having to punt because of it. And he's going back to the sideline, and he's putting his hands up like this. And it's like, you know, again, don't know what the coaches are saying to him, of course, in that moment. But it almost comes off as like, I don't know what else you want me to do here with that, with what just happened there. Again, not trying to speculate, of course, again, what was said. But the point is, he showed emotion. 
And Spencer Rattler, opposing fans can say what they want about him, and they're going to have their opinions on him. Gamecock fans have gotten a lot more vocal in terms of maybe they think that there should be a change made at quarterback, at least in games that play out this way. No matter what you think about that, there's one thing that has been a constant this season. Spencer Rattler has not allowed his emotions to get the best of him during these games. If he has, he has waited until he's gotten to the sidelines where he can talk with a guy, maybe an individual coach or maybe an individual player, to hash out things quietly. He hasn't done something like that on the field all season that I could tell until this past Saturday. And in my opinion, that's not a good sign. If you're a South Carolina coach on that staff, it is not a good sign for your quarterback that you had so much hype with this season riding on, going out there, and a play like that happening, and he's putting his hands up, and again, it it comes off like, I don't know what else you want me to do. So, in that regard, if Coach Beamer is going to make any change during the season in terms of play calling duties, it probably needs to happen now. And I'll dive into the reason why in a little bit. Before we do that, let's talk about the defense real quick. It also seems like that there might need to be some tough decisions made regarding the rotation at certain positions. I'm not necessarily going to completely advocate for stars being benched. I'm not going to do that with those players. They are college kids playing their hearts out every given Saturday, whether or not They make a bunch of mistakes or they play almost perfectly. Does not matter. I'm not going to do that. But what I will say is this. It does seem like that there are some positions where the production could be better in some of these games. This Florida game, again, in my opinion, showcased that to a great degree. Now, again, some of these guys were dealing with some illness or some symptoms of some sort of illness this past week. Coach Weaver said that after the game. So you do have to take that into account to a certain degree when talking about this, but here's what I'll say. At the linebacker position particularly, Bam Martin Scott, Debo Williams, and Stone Blanton, in my eyes, based on what I've seen from them this year and what I've heard about them, I think that those guys deserve to see some more opportunities at linebacker. I think that you need to start playing these guys more in these games, giving these guys some more big-time game situations where to see how they handle it. Just see what they can do. Give them more of an opportunity. And the coaches have done that, in fairness to them this season. These guys have played a decent amount of snaps, especially recently with Stone Blanton. Debo Williams has been a mainstay in the rotation for the majority of the year. Bam Martin Scott is an athletic freak. That guy moves around and covers space, maybe the best out of all the linebackers in that linebacker room. I think you've got to have his athleticism at the minimum on the field. He's also got a great motor. Debo Williams, he's the textbook definition of high motor, and he is aggressive. He goes out there and looks to lay a hit on somebody. Again, not saying that none of the other linebackers do, but you really see with Debo Williams every time he's out there. You might need to look at having him play some more snaps. Stone Blanton, there's been talk about how he's one of the hardest workers in the entire building. He stays after and works out more. He watches more film. One of the last guys in the building. That is what we have heard about him. Maybe see if, you know, he puts all that to more use on the field. Give him some more chances. It can't hurt. And again, I'll dive into why in a little bit. A defensive tackle, TJ Sanders, he showed some flashes against Florida. Now, granted, that particular unit in the interior defensive line from a talent standpoint is quite deep. From an experience standpoint, it is quite deep. But TJ Sanders, he makes plays every time he gets his opportunities. 
I think maybe he should see some more snaps. I mean, at least maybe have more of a say in this rotation in terms of how much playing time he's getting. Tyrese Ross showed some really good flashes at that safety spot when he got played out of necessity on Saturday. Made a bunch of really solid tackles. Made some really good plays. Maybe he should see some more snaps. Again, these are decisions that Coach Beamer is going to have to make himself in talking with these coaches. Now, here's the thing. If changes are made and it works out, that's great. And listen, there will be some backlash from some fans, a small vocal minority that says, well, why weren't these changes made sooner? But the point is, that will be minimal. People will be happy that, you know, maybe changes were made, and it seems like it solved some of the problems that you've had all season. That would work out great for this coaching staff. Now, if changes are made and nothing works out, then... Coach Beamer and the staff can still say, look, we made the effort. We tried to see if we could turn things around by, you know, refining and changing up a couple things here and there, and it just didn't work out. But we're going to address these problems in the offseason when we have all of this off time, this extra time to really try and see what we got here and what we need to bring in. Fine. Again, you tried, okay? The fan base will take that. Now... If you do not make any changes, you try to basically see if these issues, I guess, are going to work themselves out. These last couple regular season games, whatever bowl game you play in. The problem with that, the big risk you take with that is this. You have no proof of concept up to this point in your tenure to fall back on that these issues on both sides of the ball are going to suddenly be rectified. And this can lead to a whole new set of problems, both in the locker room and with the fan base. If this is the route that this coaching staff takes, and again, obviously, none of us are going to make them decide how what decisions they're going to make regarding these issues. But if this is the route that they take, then trust me, that set of problems that I just mentioned, it is a guarantee, both in the locker room and in this fan base, in terms of their trust in where this program is heading, that set of problems will come into play. And it will make for a really, really interesting offseason, to say the least. So what are y'all's thoughts on some of these tough decisions that I laid out to all of you? Some of these hypotheticals that I threw out there. What were your thoughts on the offenses and defenses performance against the Gators on Saturday? Let me know what you think down below in the comment section if you're watching today's show on YouTube. You can also shoot me a direct message on Twitter at A-Lion underscore SC, and I'll be sure to respond to it as quickly as I see it. Once again, I thank y'all for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen today. Now, for your next listen, I would like for y'all to go check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, where the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day all take place. This podcast is available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. But once again, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. I hope that y'all have a great rest of your Monday and have a good start to the work week. I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.